Welcome to Librarians Allowed, an independent podcast presented by the Academic and Special Libraries section of the Library Association of Ireland. I'm your host, Laura Rooney Ferris. Uh, this is a special bonus episode. I recorded this interview with Jan Parry right after her keynote speech at ASL 2016 in February, but it was put on hold until after the verdict on the recent Hillsborough inquest. I talked to Jan about her career, including her groundbreaking work as the only information professional on the Hillsborough Independent Panel and about the power and responsibility that information professionals can have as keepers of documentary evidence. We also talked about impact evaluation and about her work on advocacy during her tenure as SILIP uh, president. The interview was recorded in the hotel lobby right after Jan's keynote and before she had to uh, had to leave, so I had limited time. So it's a little shorter than a usual episode and there is a little bit of background noise, which hopefully doesn't detract from the overall listening experience. Okay, so I'm here with Jan Parry, um, who has just left everyone in the ASL 2016 conference uh, pretty speechless after her, her talk about her work with the Hillsborough Independent Panel. Jan, thanks very much for agreeing to, to have a chat with me about your amazing career path and very, very interesting and diverse career path. Um, so thank you very much for, for agreeing to, to have a chat. If you want to maybe talk to me about like when you first thought about getting into librarianship or what, what first kind of sowed the seed for you? Well I think I'll go right back to the fact that my very first job in, in civil service was um, working in the job centre in Liverpool mm. and that was dealing with people, helping people um, and um, from there I did some quite interesting jobs that will amuse people mm. I would think because obviously in those days you um, you left work and you had your children when you were married and um, I did some part-time jobs and I was an usherette in the theatre um, and that's where I, I, I got to got to love and enjoy theatre and I worked behind a bar and that's where I got to love drinking <laughs> and um, I also taught microwave cookery to adults because again in those days microwaves were new and people didn't know how to use them properly in fact people still don't so um, I did that and then I uh, returned back to the civil service and I went to the health and safety executive and um, one of the jobs they gave me there was um, working in the library and I worked in the nuclear installations inspectorate library and um, the first day I thought was fantastic and I, I enjoyed the job and um, I, I thought, oh well maybe this is just because it's new, but it wasn't, I really, really enjoyed it and I asked my boss how I could be, make this a career and she said, well um, you can't get promoted without getting a degree. So um, I asked for, but to cut a long story short, I asked for and got three years unpaid leave off and um, off work and I used to go back in the holidays but yes I went to took, take a degree at Liverpool Polytechnic which is now John Moore's University mm -hmm. and I took my degree in librarianship and information management. 
And how long had you been in the job at that stage when you took this? Um, I'd say probably about 12 months. Okay, Maybe so it was less. quite, yeah, it was it was quite yeah. a big investment for them. Yes, yes. You were obviously prove, had proven Absolutely. yourself as a good Keen. librarian. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was, a, I was just a, I was a library assistant, yeah. and, and what I liked about it, and I think what made me go that far, if you like, is it, com- it, it combined working with people, which I enjoyed, because obviously I've told you that mm. already, but it was working with the information that I enjoyed. So it was a combination of information and people, yeah. and that made it the right job for me. That sounds like quite an interesting type of library, I'm not the sort of place I would even associate with having a library. Thing. Well, government departments yeah. used to have um, libraries which contained all the, you know, various reports um, uh, that the department had published and other papers because for um, the nuclear installations inspectorate there were nuclear inspectors so they had to have access and that's the same for every government department now. Recently, the government departments have been closing down their libraries. It's like any yeah. any other anywhere else. So yeah. So I mean, I went from after getting my degree, I moved down to London, took the whole family down with me, my husband and my two children, and I went to work for the Department of Health, and I ran two libraries there. One was um, a library in uh, a medical library for mm. for the doctors and people who work for the Department of Health, and one was um, a white a library in Whitehall which was classed as kind of the ministerial library, if you see mm-hmm. what I mean. And <coughs> from that, from doing that work, I um, became very interested in working for government ministers directly to them. Mm-hmm. So I actually moved from being a librarian uh, then to be um, working in ministers' offices and running their kind of, well, it was their correspondence section, their IT section, mm-hmm. and ministers' budgets, which was very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the reasons I did that was you couldn't get pr- again you couldn't get promotion within the library service um, unless you had financial experience and yet you couldn't get financial experience unless you got promoted so it was a catch-22 so the only way to do it was to move sidewards and go and do a different job but however having said that my job again involved all my information skills and my people skills so it was really good and I just happened to be there at the right time when um, the new Labour government came in mm-hmm. and they wanted um, a ministerial briefing system. When they had been in opposition, they had had a system whereby um, all prospective parliamentary candidates could access the same information. So they were all singing mm-hmm. off the same hymn sheet. Mm-hmm. Well, when they became and they came in to government, they thought they thought that government that government would already have that sort of thing. But actually, we still we were still working on paper because mm-hmm. nothing had changed in 18 years of Conservative government. So um, they introduced this Whitehall-wide briefing system, um, and I was part of that, and it was a really good um, good time. To, to do that and in fact I came over to Ireland and I came over to Belfast to help um, the new Irish government um, in Northern Ireland uh, okay, and uh, I went to Stormont and, and showed them it and I think they took it <laughs> yeah. so yeah that was to help them as well so that was a really kind of interesting time and then I did um, <coughs> various uh, other jobs um, um, after the briefing system in the Department of Health sorry I should say that because it was a Whitehall-wide briefing system, I moved over to the Home Office to help them put their briefing system in. And then after I'd done that, and as I said, that was a very exciting time, an interesting time, um, I moved on to other jobs within the Home Office, and that was one of them was tackling gangs. 
which was very interesting. Um, I'm not sure we were that successful, but it was a very interesting job. I'm working directly to the Home Secretary. And then I also was involved in implementing, they had a review of the library in the Home Office. Mm. Um, and I was uh, helped implement the, the, the results of the review. And, and this is where, and I, I always give this an example, librarians hadn't done themselves any favours because the reviewers who didn't know what libraries were about. Mm, so often the case. The re yeah, absolutely. Libraries. The reviewers were asking various questions and, for example, just asking them what they did all day or all mm. week or whatever. And the librarians didn't really know how to answer it and they had no evidence to show what they actually did. Mm. So, unfortunately, that review did not work out very well for the librarians. Um, and that's why I go around now talking a lot to librarians to tell them how to keep evidence for, to show their boss what they do and to show the, the boss's boss what they do and to show any reviewers what they do because evidence is, is the key. Yeah, it's become a real watchword for the profession mm. in the last few years anyway, certainly that sense of having to really evaluate your impact and show your impact, it's become vital to every librarian's job. Absolutely and I always say to people, you know, watch those programs with Mary Portison and, and with um, uh, all those reviewing programs you know with Gordon Ramsay in and, and people like that um, and who's the other one oh, um, Alex Polizzi and they go into people's businesses and they find out what's wrong and why they're not succeeding and that's what you should do with your library before the reviewers come in yeah. you should be reviewing yourself and your staff and your own library mm. service and so often when they do those reviews or the, on those particular shows, a lot of it comes back to um, services that aren't meeting a user's needs. Yes. So it often comes right back to basics of, well, who are your users and what do they really want from your service? So quite often librarians have to go back to those basics of Absolutely. who are my core users and what do they really need and what kind of conversation do I need to have with them to discover what they need. So it's quite interesting that you were in involved in these processes probably a long time before they became yes. sort of embedded into the profession as they yeah. are now. And um, I, you know, I'm chairing currently, chairing the um, Liverpool's library uh, task group. Uh, they're looking to try to make sure that they can maintain their library service um, beyond 2017. So we're, we're doing all of that, looking before, before anyone can start I mean, they've already gone through a lot of cuts, but before they can start any other reviews, if you like, we're doing lots of um, finding out um, what new ideas there are from everybody and, and what, we can, what we can implement and, and saving. And I'm working with Hampshire as well on, on there because they're just setting up a, a complete new strategy for their library service. So I'm helping out where I can. Yeah from my experience, if you like. Um, but very much a lot of librarians and library staff are very comfortable and still wrapped in what I call the duvet of librarianship. Mm. And I think you've got to get out of that and, and think of it as your business, really. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and if you think of it as your business and if you think about how much the, the building's costing, the heating, the lighting, how much the equipment's costing and how much the staff are costing. Mm. And you start thinking, well, OK, um, you know, am I providing the evidence that this is worth all this money to the council, etc.? Yeah. Sometimes we have traditionally not been always great at communicating to people outside of our profession. We, we do a little right. bit of, we're a little bit guilty of talking to ourselves. 
Absolutely, and, and people outside people outside the um, the profession don't understand what we do mm. or what skills we have and how um, we can use those skills. And, and as I was talking earlier in my presentation, working for the Hillsborough Independent Panel, um, the the professional, the the library and uh, professionals and the records managers did all the hard work of, of reviewing the documents, cataloguing the documents, mm. and, and they're the sort of skills that we can do, and, mm. and, uh, as well as talking to people, obviously, but um, they are skills. People, uh, people still do not know how to keep and store and sort their information, and mm. we've got those skills, because they just don't know how to do it. Some people don't even know how to file. <laughs> Most people don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get like subject librarians could talk about all day is the lack of filing skills of yeah. other people uh, and it's yet it's vitally important um, as your work with the, the Hillsborough Independent uh, panel shows that really um, evidence is key absolutely uh, and how did so how did that first begin what was the first kind of steps of when were you first approached about being involved with uh, the Hillsborough panel um well, actually, I was um, just kind of working on various projects in, in the Home Office. I think I'd just finished the library work and I was doing something with um, helping a team with the new uh, intranet and um, the then head of the National Archives, who was our head of government professional profession skills, um, knew that I was kind of looking for something else and um, my, my boss who was setting up the Hillsborough Independent Panel had gone and chatted to her obviously because she was head of the National Archives mm. and she recommended me and um, so yes and it was at um, a very difficult time actually in my life because mm. my husband had just been diagnosed with cancer so I was really looking for something that would um, keep me going, help me carry on um, and it was um, it was an incredible uh, job to to be on, an incredible job to have done. Mm. And um, yes, it was uh, to be so successful as a team, and and as the the independent panel was in um, getting all those documents and getting all that information. And then it the result being that there are now three. Uh, well, a new inquest and two new investigations um, into uh, what went on and the people concerned. Mm. And so how long in total were you involved with the How long did that uh, process um, Let me think now. It was 2009 to 2012. Mm. So yes, I can remember that because yes, it was um, October 2009, I think, September, October 2009. And then we finished, we, we, well, we did the disclosure in September 2012 mm. and then after that um, I was uh, asked what I wanted to do next and you know after because my husband had died during all of that mm. and I, I just felt that really I had done everything I possibly could and I wanted to go out on a high mm. and um, I took early retirement. Mm. Yeah it was a good one to, to yes. go out on certainly um, and even if you look at you know, the idea of someone like an information professional being involved on a panel like that. I think for me, certainly when I saw that um, you were involved with this panel and heard about the work that, that you had done on it, it was quite an eye-opener for me because I think, to my recollection, it was the first time I could remember seeing um, an information professional having been involved in a panel of this type. 
and yet it makes absolute sense mm. that an information professional would be because it's you know, managing thousands and thousands of documents but also trying you know, figuring out what the best method for accessing this material is going to be and that's that's the core business of what we do mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and figuring out how to make that accessible for the, the core users who are going to need to access it so in your case you know you spoke very very tenderly about the families and they that that came across so strongly in your your talk earlier you know your relationship and your responsibility to them and making this information making this website searchable for them making sure that they knew how to use it yes and that's something that librarians can hold quite dear to remember their users yes and 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 particularly that was um a support service that we offered to the families after we had uh, completed the disclosure and um yes it was very moving and um I'm glad that we offered them that service. I think some of them didn't want to do it themselves at home. Um, some of them didn't have access to uh, the internet at home or, or weren't used to using computers. So, yes, I'm glad that librarians in Liverpool uh, and, and myself and um, some other people and social workers all helped in, in that. Mm. Yeah, and really shows as well, you know, looking at, like, the way you summed up towards the end of your talk about, you know, providing the facts and the evidence behind a story and you know whether it's being involved in something as in-depth as the Hillsborough panel or it's um, being someone who's responsible for an archive quite often librarians are the keepers of information that is incredibly important so one of our other speakers yesterday mentioned working in uh, the met Aaron uh, library and discovering a weather forecast from someone's birth from you know, 100 years ago and these things that these materials that we look after are you know, they're, they're people's memories they're people's uh, their pe- people's shared past and so they're incredibly important and particularly for you I'm sure for the for the relatives well, this was an incredibly important information thing is very powerful mm. because um, Documents and video foot nowadays video you know, video footage and uh, and digital stuff it, 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 it's proof that's why now uh, people because of mobile phones a lot of things are being proved now quite quickly because mm. people have mo- mobile phone footage of it I mean imagine if there'd been mobile phones around in the days of the Hillsborough disaster yeah. things would have been very different maybe yeah. um, it wouldn't have taken so long. Um, to find things out Um, but yeah um, information if you keep keeping information it's a very very powerful thing it can provide uh, documentary evidence uh, of things that have happened of meetings that have happened of things that were agreed whatever it's evidence and um, as you said librarians and and I always say and records managers because sometimes mm. records managers don't consider themselves to be librarians. I think we all do a very similar job. Yeah, and in fact, an ex-colleague of mine who worked on um, the Hillsborough um, work um, has, is in fact now involved in, uh, in, in another inquiry. So they are being rec- those skills are being recognised. Yeah, so it would be good to see more of that. And yes. More librarians being included on these type of investigations. And sadly there are more and more of these types of investigations happening. You spoke yourself about um, the uh, sex abuse scandals and the 
um, invited to um, participate in those and we've got a, a long history of tribunals and investigations in this country where I, I look yes. back now and think you know, perhaps the inclusion of an information professional Yes, you've had good yes, at indeed. The early stages of these type of it, investigations. Yes, it's strangely because some of you, I've, I've known people who've worked on some of your inquiries here, the Bloody Sunday inquiry, yeah. and they were kind of media communications people. But I don't know whether the, I don't know whether they used information people or whether anybody thought about it. Yeah, and so you don't know to what extent are there gaps in the after yes. the completion yeah. of these investigations in the accessibility of their findings. Yes, because um, with our skills we can see, a bit like researchers, we can see where there are gaps in knowledge and gaps in information and identify that and say, well, where are these? You know, what's happened to these documents? Yeah. And sometimes, unfortunately, documents have been destroyed or evidence mm -hmm. has been destroyed and there's nothing you can do about that. But at least we can recognise that there, yeah. should be, there should have been something there in the first place. Yeah, at least we can point out what, what should be there. It's one mm. of the other things that really struck me listening to you both is you know, the, the impact of withholding information you know, where, it, where there's a feeling that information has, not, has been withheld or communication has not been forthcoming. It's extremely damaging and whether there is any kind of you know, malicious intent to it or not, in the absence of good information, in the absence of being given full disclosure, people fill that vacuum with an assumption that they have been lied to, and mm. that they haven't been given all the information they should be, and that there is something going on. So, you know, and full information absolutely. gives and people clarity that they haven't been lied to. Absolutely. And, and as you say, if, if there are gaps, other people could also fill the gaps with misinformation exactly. or make things up or whatever and, and that's why if you if you have all the information you've got it there people can see it um, if it's if it's open to the public um, and uh, there's nothing hidden mm. yeah and sadly there was a lot of misinformation as well the Hillsborough case yeah I, there's, there's a lot of information out in the public domain which isn't what you would call official information it's mm. people's opinions um, and and People's opinions are, you know, important, and, uh, but but it's having proof of what you're saying, and, mm. and and only by being able to prove it can you prove that it's true. Yeah, and being systematic in the process as well. Yeah. which I'm sure you worked in health libraries, so I'm sure that. Yes, and, it, and with health, with health like with health information, it was uh, we used to medical people wanted to be evidence based. Mm everything has to, has to be evidence so if you keep that word evidence in your head mm. make sure everything is evidence-based you've got something to prove it then um, then you can prove that your information is true and, you know. yeah and more and more so now even in um, environments not just in healthcare um, even in kind of corporate environments um, there's more of an emphasis on transparency and accountability and on not being as evidence-based but certainly being evidence-informed in everything mm. you do so again there's a very strong role there for librarians in, in any of those environments where there's a heavy emphasis on um, accountability. I think in private industry because I've only sort of worked in government really, but I think in mm. private industry as you see the corporate world I don't think they've really um, scratched the surface on their keeping of their information to be quite frank yeah. but um, and I think um, you know if, if they employed 
librarians they they probably prefer to call them information managers and mm. that's fine I don't mind changing my title for people yeah. whatever you want to call me but it's still the same skills yeah and I think private industry needs information people mm. because even though we're now in a technological age and there's not quite as much paper there always is paper mm. and you do need someone even to sort out and keep your electronic information yeah. I'm not saying government's perfect at that but I mean some some places um, industries and parts of government aren't keeping their el- electronic information terribly well mm-hmm. so we'll all that get lost yeah and you need to be very well aware of you know different standards and formats and whether something is becoming obsolete Absolutely. and when it's becoming obsolete how to transfer it and what sort of um, and these are all our skills. Into, and these are all our skills. And it does keep coming back to those things, you know, these evolving skills, brains that can just be transferred into all these different environments. And we know that, but one of the things we need to do is get better at explaining it to other people yes. so that when someone has yes. a job that comes up where these skills are needed, they immediately think, a librarian or someone with an information yes. professional background is who I need. But I also think that librarians must, this is the, 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 you know, the other way of looking at it, stop looking at jobs with a librarian in the title. Yeah. Stop looking at jobs with the word library in it. Look for jobs, doesn't matter, look at any job and if you think, oh, that's an information job, I could do that. Mm-hmm. that all that, that job requires, they're all skills I have. Mm-hmm. Then go for it. And don't don't alter your CV. So it, I mean, I might say late librarian, but mm. alter the CV to make it show the show the people that you've got the skills to do that job. Because they mm. might not automatically think. And it'll, it, we've tried for years to get people to make to think about us, but they tend not to. So yeah. we have to push ourselves forward to get to apply for and, and do jobs that haven't got librarian. Yeah. And but there are nevertheless information organisational jobs mm-hmm. and information finding jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's that yeah. we've got to think about that, that change. That advocacy is, is quite um, important. And yeah, yeah. And strong. And so, uh, you are immediate past president of of Silip. Um, so talk, you want to talk a little bit about your involvement with Silip? Well, yeah. Last year was a whew, was a very busy year mm-hmm. uh, as president because um, you're quite right. I spent last year going around t- meeting a lot of people talking all well all over the, the UK mm-hmm. um, I also went off to the um, IFLA conference in South Africa in Cape Town mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the time I was talking about my work on Hillsborough independent panel but also a lot of the time I was going around um, as you say talking about ad- self-advocacy mm-hmm. and selling your s- selling the services that you provide with evidence and um, bas- basically wake up and smell the coffee, really. Because mm. um, that's what I was going on doing. But yeah, I was incredibly busy last year, so I'm quite glad now that there's another a new president and I, I'm kind of a little bit quieter this year. But yeah. I, I'm still going around saying the same things. <laughs> well, there are, there are important messages um, that we need to remember, too. Um, particularly in, in, in the UK, there's just been so much decimation of the, the library profession there and so many library cuts that... There have we been do need to get stronger and louder. Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid so. There have been a lot of library cuts, and unfortunately, some places are uh, perhaps not un- understanding again what libraries do now and mm. what they provide now, and they're not just places with books in, although that is the legal obligation. Um, 
the Public Libraries Act is, is to, to provide a book service, mm. but we provide public libraries provide so much more now, and um, I think there are people cutting libraries um, perhaps a little bit too quickly without thinking about it properly, yeah. um, and and without perhaps thinking what more they could do to perhaps create income mm. themselves. Um, so we've got it, but we've got a role in this. We've got to we've got to fight it, and I don't mean fight saying placards don't close us. I mean get your evidence and say look this is what we do we help the unemployed to use computers you know um, the job centres don't do that anymore that sort of thing and, and give and you know how people love people love numbers and figures don't they the, the bean counters want to see that And but you've got to also get the customers to um, give you feedback proper feedback evidence feedback I mean I met with a group of library managers last year who were children's library managers, and they were very enthusiastic, and, and it was brilliant to hear all these things they were doing with the children. And then I said to them, and what evidence do you get that, the, that, that this is working? And they say, well, what do you mean? They said, what, what do you mean? And um, they, they said, well, you know, they said they enjoy it, they're having, they have a good time, uh, they all walk out happy. And I said, yes, but what evidence have you got? Mm. And then when we boiled down to it, I said, look, just give them a slip of paper every week with some tick boxes on it and then you've got evidence to prove that those library classes or your baby groups or whatever are seriously doing a good thing for the community because without that feedback you can't prove it you can say you can say all you like oh well every week I have so many people in and and uh, we have good storytelling or whatever but prove it and then then councillors and people will start taking notice yeah, I think a lot of the UK libraries are beginning to kind of realise that in terms of getting very good kind of personal stories of how yeah. libraries have shaped um, someone's life or the, the, the impact that specific services yeah. have had for users. And those are really important too because people really respond to those you know, individual narratives. They can be very powerful. And you've got to be a bit, like I said earlier, about think of it as your own business. Do a bit of schmoozing as well. Mm. Invite your local councillors into your library if you're a public library mm. librarian into your library and invite them to see what you do um, you know it's like if you were um, uh, running a court a library for a, 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 an organization or a business or any sort of library or information place you know you don't just sit in a room there was somebody said they told me a story of a librarian once said oh um, you know I'm doing a I'm doing a good job if nobody knows I'm here. Now that's wrong. So <laughs> wrong. An awful sentiment in any career. <laughs> well, yes, because when it comes to cutting, that's yeah. when they'll go. What does that person in the corner do, mm-hmm. actually? So you've yeah. got to constantly be proving what you do and yeah. what you add to the to the organisation to the company. Mm-hmm. This is what I add. I mean, I also had um, was talking to someone who had been in a job for for about three years or something and had didn't have a job description, had never had a performance review. Mm. And I said, but that's wrong. You've got to have these things. Otherwise, when, when they start cutting, they'll wonder what you do. Yeah. It's the evidence. Back to evidence it's, again. It's all back to evidence, <laughs> yes. And as a health librarian, I, I very much agree with that. It's, it's all about the evidence. Yeah. But again, it, it, I mean, it sounds awful. I know it used to be, particularly public libraries, I know people used to think, think you know, this is a service, we provide a service. Well, I'm sorry, not, not anymore. Yes, you provide a service, but you've got to prove that you're providing the service and how, how well the public will love it. Mm. Yeah. 
So would that be your, your main advice for, for people coming into the profession now? To, to remember the evidence, to, to, to evaluate their impact? To, to, to sell their business. Mm. To, to literally, I mean, as we go back to those, pro, those television programmes, literally market, and I don't mean market what, what services they offer, but you've got to remember to tell your boss, tell your boss's boss um, what you do. And you can do this a little tip, little tip of mine. Uh, someone gave me this tip and it works. If you send your boss a weekly email telling your boss what you do and what it adds to the company or the organisation, they will have those emails, even if they never read them. They can show them how to keep them in a folder. They can keep them in a folder. When it comes to your appraisal once a year, well, it should be more than that, but when it comes to your appraisal, they've got the evidence to write your appraisal. You know, things like that are very important. I mean, a lot of people have to do things like reports for boards now and yeah. um, you know, yearly business planning. Yeah. So I think even if you, even if no one is asking you to do those things, I think it's quite important to just go ahead and do them for yourself anyway. Absolutely. Even if no one is telling you it's you need to write a yearly yeah. business plan, it's a good practice. You've got something to it's best best practice yourself on yeah. at the end of the year. So even if you haven't been asked for it, you can go along to your immediate line manager at the end of the year and go, well, here were my goals. Absolutely. Here's what I did achieve or didn't achieve. And, and I mean, I heard a story about, uh, again, somebody who um, had, had spent a, a whole year um, as, as a librarian just deciding that she would, um, you know, kind of cut the um, journal's, uh, you know, sort of procurement. Mm -hmm. And she, she cut it down and saved, saved a lot of money. And she didn't tell anybody. She saved like £25,000 and didn't say might be more can't remember but yeah she, she didn't kind of say to anyone uh, look this is what I've done yeah. save the company money she just thought she gave herself a sort of pat on the back but didn't tell anybody else and that's strange that's very unusual because usually whenever we save money we're, we're quite loud about making sure everyone knows about should it. do yeah and suppose I suppose as, as immediate past president I should also point out that on the SILIP website and I don't know if you have connection how much connections yeah, you have with SILIP um, so um, we have you have impact now because of my advocacy work last year to um, our impact toolkit. That's right. Yes. And that will show you if you don't know how to do this this, this sort of thing and you feel a little bit scared, that gives you lots of lots of things to to look at and learn and videos and mm -hmm. things to to watch and you can learn how to do these things. Yeah, and it's not difficult. No an easy thing to do especially if you have something like a toolkit that you can exactly. follow it just gives and you can template. you can follow it like a training course or you can dip just dip into it in and out of it and, and use it for that so no excuse really no yeah so that's what we all need to be doing evaluating our impact and yeah. being louder about what we do and evaluating if you if you manage staff don't forget evaluate their impact too so some mm. sometimes your staff can get a bit cosy and comfortable and they need freshening up we all need sometimes to sort of yeah. take a step back and look at ourselves again and, and think oh hang on I'm getting a bit stale yeah and even yeah. as a profession just because something has worked before yes doesn't mean it's always going to work and and sometimes it's a question of um some some people will say oh we tried that before and it didn't work well it might work now mm. try it again Never be afraid of taking on new ideas from people or, or freshening yourself up and getting new, you know, producing new ideas as well. I think um, certainly that the last two days, 
has shown that uh, librarians are really good at, at shaping things up and trying new things out and uh, I always come away from the two-day conference full of new ideas and full of inspiration seeing what other people are doing that's what com place. conferences yeah, are for they're that's really good like that, so. but I think what worries me is there are an awful lot of people in the profession who perhaps don't go to conferences anymore maybe they can't because they can't afford it yeah. or there's no training budget but they don't get that injection of enthusiasm mm, and we so, need that. but there are other ways for us yeah. to collaborate even if you can't afford to go to conferences you know we're, we're being our conferences being live streamed so if you can't afford to, to come along you can still see some of it you can follow on twitter and you've got your you've got your special interest groups as well haven't yeah, you or similar so you know and there's always the, the library community is quite supportive of each other so mm. even if you can't get out and go to a conference there are other, always people willing to you know, act as mentors mm. and provide mm. advice people who are at different levels of the profession so it's always worth reaching out to other librarians too I think I, I will let you get get going now, Dan. Oh, thank but you. Thank you so much for, for talking with me, and thank you very very much for your wonderful talk earlier. Um, no problem. I, I'd certainly come back again and do another anything else that you want right. me to do. Brilliant. <laughs> thank you very Watch much. This space. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks again to Jan for sharing insights from her remarkable career with me. Stay tuned to at AS Libraries on Twitter for updates on upcoming episodes or you can also follow us on Facebook at AS Libraries. Librarians Allowed is produced by Laura Rooney-Ferris. Music and editing are by Michael Ferris. Yeah.